Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome to another edition of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. I am excited to have Joshua Escalante Troche on with me today because he's never on here. So let's just pretend like this is new and exciting, Josh. So great to have you on. You know, I'm going to start just going live, live, but without you. So <laughs> I love it. You know, let's do that. We'll try that out a couple of times. Very Macbethian of me. So what the heck are we actually talking about today? So in today's episode, what we are going to cover are investments to make in your business as a new financial coach. This is a really important topic specifically for financial coaches. You may have heard us talk about this before, but one thing that has come up time and time again in the Facebook group and in conversations that Josh and I have had are financial coaches have oftentimes become successful in their personal finances by spending less and being very um, particular about what they say yes to. And some people may be going to the like, what's the phrase? Like living life like a miserable ascetic. Is that the correct pronunciation? <laughs> really like not spending any money and therefore right, being able to save and achieve some of the goals that they have or many of the goals that they have. But that oftentimes is not what makes you successful as a business owner. And so we've seen kind of the experience of coaches who have been successful in their personal finances, but up against what we're going to talk about today, which is kind of the reality and the importance of investing in yourself and in your business as a business owner and as a financial coach. Yeah. Yeah. And the only correction I would make is I would have used spending as a Mennonite because the Mennonites there were very much about sparse living and not showing off and not having purchases. So it, it's, I, I think it's a little more tight, tightly knit parallel there. You had some time to think about it. I was just going on the fly, <laughs> but yeah, sure. Toot your own horn if you need to. The, But yeah, it's, it's one thing to build a, a financial life for yourself. And it's another thing to build a business. And, you know, one of the reasons is that, you know, adding another room to your house doesn't increase your income. Adding another office space to your business can increase the business's income. If that office space is used to bring in additional staff that can serve more people. Right? Yeah. And so it's really important that we, we separate the idea of our personal finances having any relevance on our business finances, right? It's kind of the same argument that people make about national debt, right? People talk about, oh, you know, the national debt is, is so big and blah, blah, blah. No, national debt, there is a potential problem with it, but it's not what everyone talks about, right? Hmm. You know, and my, one of my favorite phrases that people make is, or people say one of my favorite phrases to 
joke about that people say is people will say, oh, well, you know, if if my family ran our family household the way that the United States government runs its manages its finances, you know, we we would be buried. You know, we would be you know bankrupt and out of a home, and it would be terrible. Yeah, you want to know the fundamental differences between your family's fa- finances and the United States government's finances? Your family can't print money. <laughs> would be nice though, right? Let's be so, real. So you know that stark difference. Yeah. Also, your family is not worried about investment in infrastructure for the purposes of being able to, you know, build out an economy. It's not worried about managing inflation, right? Once you get past the highest surface level, you know, similarities, they differ in pretty much every way. Yeah. And that stark difference is really important to understand because that's the same stark difference with your business. Right. There are some pretty surface similarities. Right. And absolutely, you can be irresponsible with your money, with your business, just like you can be irresponsible with your money, with your family finances. Mm -hmm. But there are some pretty stark differences with regard to just what money means in each. You know, it's so you want to really have kind of this mental wall between how you view your personal finances and what you think your best practices are in your personal finances versus what are best practices in your business finances. And there's not to say that there's not going to be things that are going to be similar on both sides, right? Uh, So there will be some crossover, but that crossover is more the exception than the rule. Okay. Right. You know, a great example of this is the idea of spending, right? The as you build a business and as you grow your business, you are going to have to spend money. And the old adage, you have to spend money to make money. People throw that around so much that it's become kind of meaningless and a joke of just people don't know what they're talking about. So they say that, right? But there is truth to that adage that there is strategic spending that has to be done in order to grow a business. And there's no way around that spend. More of your business spending is akin to food than akin to going to Disneyland. Hmm. Right. Meaning, yeah, you can cut your food budget down to zero. It's just not going to turn out very well. <laughs> right. Right. Now you could spend at Whole Foods or you could spend at you know, like whatever local Vons, mm-hmm. Safeway. Right. But you're yeah. still spending money on food. Yeah. And you know, even then the the analogy breaks down to some degree because there is a fundamental difference between spending at a higher cost service versus a lower cost service Mm -hmm. with a business. You know, you, if you hire someone that has taken two classes at a local college in marketing versus hiring an advertising agency, you are going to get far more success with an advertising agency than having someone who's taken a couple of classes do your marketing. Yeah. And of course you may be lucky and get the next marketing genius for that price, but on the whole. Yeah. Yeah. Don't really want to gamble on the long shot with my business. Probably not. (laughs) No. And so, yeah, I think from a, that that's kind of the starting point before we talk about what to invest in is that you do need to invest in and you need to, view it as 
you know, we're not, we're not spending money. This is a 401k. We are investing in the future. Or like a rental. Don't get rich by cutting your expenses in your 401k spending. (laughs) It's a very good point. It's a better analogy than mine. (laughs) Nah, I like all the analogies. So yeah, so that's kind of that that's sort of our my opening salvo. So let's talk <laughs> about some specifics. And let's divide it up into, you know, starting out and then to what is the, you know, when I want to go full time, right? As I'm working toward that full time. And then finally, when I'm looking at going full time and kind of growing beyond that. Right. So I've already gone full time and I want to continue growing the business beyond that. Possibly bring in other people on. Yeah. 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 I will warn everyone listening to this. You're going to see a lot of similarities between what we talk about here and what we offer in FCN's launch and grow that'll come out soon, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason why is because we're not advertising those products. We literally built launch to be this is what you should be spending your money on in this stage of the business. Mm-hmm. Okay. When someone wants to go f- try to make it going full time, what do they need in order to be successful in doing that? And so that's what we put into grow. So really it was this stuff came first and then we kind of built the products around it. We don't always practice what we preach, but with the big Sometimes. stuff, we do pretty well. So yeah, yeah la- you know, launch specifically geared towards people who are looking to build their coaching business to a part, like a healthy part-time income. So it can be from zero to a part-time income, then grow will be from a part-time income to full-time income. And then beyond that, as Josh said, full-time income to hiring other people or scaling beyond that. Yeah. So let's start with when you're first starting off, right? What should you spend money on when you're first starting off? And really the focus of when you're first starting off is really about getting short-term wins. Right. Uh, a lot of people, and we've talked about this when we've talked about marketing, uh, when you first get started as a business and other areas, but you really want to focus on the things that provide you with very quick return on not just your monetary investment, but return on your time investment. Right. Yeah. And so what that means is you're going to want to focus money on your initial marketing. So this is your minimum viable marketing, right? Uh, You want to focus on having processes in place that allow you to be able to build a coaching process that's repeatable so that you're not creating a new thing every time, because that will keep you from getting new clients if you're constantly creating something new for every new client that you get. And you want to make sure that you've got support around the things that are going to give you the highest return on your time investment from getting clients. And that's mostly around uh, sales, right? The sales activity. You know, if you have a really amazing marketing program that you spend five years putting together, so you get tons of prospects and you don't have a sales process, right? That's going to be ineffective. It's more important to have a high conversion rate meaning when you do have a chance to talk with someone that that person actually converts over, that's far more important than getting a bunch of people in the door in the beginning stages. And if you have questions about the difference between sales and marketing and advertising, 
I think it's episode 11, but you can go back and uh, just a few episodes ago, we talked about that. Yeah. Good. The Garrett remembers those things. I would have, I knew, I know we talked about it. I just have no idea what number it was. <laughs> you know, we each have our different skills and the different things that we're required to do or that uh, we're good at. So there we go. That's what a partnership's all about. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing that you want to want to look at the, the so marketing um, and specifically focused on sales, right? That's going to be the big uh, driver. Uh, yes. You should have a website. Right. Try not to go cheap on the website. So free web servers have a lot of problems with them. I spe- and same thing with low cost. If you were planning on being a, if you were planning on stealing money from people, being a fly-by-night Ponzi scheme, do you think that you would spend $50,000 to build your website or would you go to a extremely low cost and or free website builder to build your website? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so those free places, they, they attract a lot of scams. Because they attract a lot of scams, your website is on the same server, the same computer as some questionable websites. And... Google and Yahoo and Microsoft and all the search engines, as well as the email servers, can see that. And so you're going to be placed into a category that's going to make your email deliverability deliverability lower. It's going to be you're going to be placed into a category that's going to make your make your website harder to find. Right. And while you're not going to get, you know, don't don't focus on search engine optimization, right? The only thing that you should be worried about in the beginning is does my website come up when I type in my company's name, <laughs> right? That's the, that's the only thing that matters in the beginning, right? Because you're not going to be able to compete with bigger firms that are doing financial coaching, right? And it's, that's not just financial coaching firms, that's insurance companies that are using financial coaching to help and sell insurance, right? Yeah. So you're not going to compete with those. So don't try. Right. But if someone knows, if someone knows your company name, they might do a little bit of Google searching on you before booking an appointment. Does your company show up on that? That's like the big focus in the beginning. And so spending money on having a good, solid website is going to be important. And what we're talking about here, and I don't want to diminish the fact that this stuff does cost money and some people have Mm -hmm. more money to spend than others. And at the same time, as we've talked about, if you're looking to build a business, you do need to invest in it and there needs to be that mindset shift. And you know, something like a website hosting a builder, like it, it, we're not talking about hundred dollars a month. This can be anywhere on kind of the basic end, you know, hosting 15 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month. Um, Sure. If you want to buy a, a nicer builder, you could pay like 50 bucks for a template or maybe you know, a hundred dollars, but like, if you're looking to even part-time make 500 to thousand dollars to $1,500 a month, which is part-time income for most people, you know, paying $20 for a website is really small. Come I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a barbell approach. Okay. Okay. And that barbell approach is you should either pay zero for a website or be willing to pay that $50 a month number, 
And the reason why is because when you get onto those $15 a month servers, that's where the scams are. That's where you get red flagged. And that's where your emails don't get delivered even when you meet someone. Right. And the load times are generally pretty slow. Yeah, there's all, yeah, all sorts of problems with it. So the barbell approach would be, you know, if you, if you aren't able to spend that 50 bucks a month to get onto a place where the price is going to filter out the riffraff, right? And I'm not saying that people who, you know, financial coaches, the riffraff, it's the riffraff are the riffraff, right? If you're not able to do that, then just set up a business, a Google profile, mm-hmm. right? And just have that be your website and send people to that, right? Which is free, right? So that, that's my barbell approach is either A, if you're going to have a website, let's have a website. Or B, if you're going to go free or low cost, do a Google profile and just make that it and wait until you have enough revenue coming in where you feel comfortable spending that larger amount of money to actually build a stronger website. And we'll come back to this, the, the kind of at the end, I think of each of these stages will be helpful just to kind of say like, yeah. And what is the total amount we're talking about here? And then compared to what it would be to have a couple of clients a month or 500 a month or a thousand dollars a month. And how should they be thinking of investing in their business when it is a part-time endeavor and they're not hopefully leaning on that money to um, survive. And maybe that's an important point to make is like, we're also talking about this I think within the context of you aren't needing the money that you're making, or you shouldn't be taking the money that you're making from your financial coaching business at this stage to pay your bills, your, yeah. your personal bills on. Right? Yeah. And that's and something we talk about in Crash Course yeah. um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're in that situation, get a job that pays your bills, even if it's a job at a, at a grocery store, right? It doesn't matter what the job is so that you can have your business not have that pressure of needing to provide for your life because that will greatly slow your business and it'll probably make for a not a very happy period of time in the beginning. Agreed. So, yeah, so that's so that's those are the those are the two big things that you want to have that you want to spend money on. The final thing that would be helpful is having having systems in place that protect you from getting sued. <laughs> Right. So insurance is is somewhat helpful having a secure way of gathering data from clients. Right. You don't want your starting business when people do a little bit of research on you having a court case come up as part of this. Right. So you want to make sure that you that you're able to gather information from clients where they're not sending you an email with their financial information on it. So those types of things are going to be important. And ideally, that system should also help you to be able to build out something that's a little more automated with regards to working with clients so that you're not getting a bunch of receipts from clients and then transcribing everything into an Excel document for them. Because while that works really well when you have one or two clients, even when you get four or five clients, that is an enormous amount of work for you to have to do to try and keep up with. And you're probably not going to be fully compensated for it. Okay. So something to securely transfer data, maybe something like getting entity structure set up might be Mm -hmm. worth investing in hiring a a lawyer or talking to a lawyer CPA on like what business entity to set up, maybe a contract, basic contract for the business or for working with clients. Yeah. Hiring a lawyer is a lot cheaper before you have the problem. 
<laughs> so yes. uh, at the very least, have a lawyer spend a couple hundred bucks to have a lawyer create a create an agreement for you. Right. And then you'd mentioned time as well. And so I would say a calendar scheduler software is also a really good thing to have yeah. just to help a protect the boundaries on your time, avoid a lot of the back and forth that's super frustrating of trying to play like sync your battle sh- the other person's battleship in terms of their calendar. That's awesome. Yeah. You're just like, oh, I'll take Friday at 6 p.m. It's like, nah, how yes. about Tuesday at four? <laughs> oh man, that was the worst. And that's something that again, from a time perspective and just the frustration of all that back and forth, totally worth it. Yeah. And I would, I would say, you know, pay paying for that makes a lot of sense, right? You the free versions work really well. The cost of those are relatively inexpensive. So as soon as you can, even before you move on to trying to go full-time, jump up to the, you know, you can start with the free version, but jump up to the paid version because they do have a lot of features for very low cost that save you an enormous amount of time. Correct. And for calendar schedules, we're talking like 10, 15 bucks a month for the ability to do automated emails ahead of time, afterward, some give text reminders, right? So if you think like, oh, if a text reminder can help save like one or two clients every month from missing a meeting, that's probably worth it. Yeah. So again, and it's hard, trust me, as a new coach or a new business owner to value your own time. Well, depending, Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of us, it is challenging. I think the busier you are, the easier it is at times to value (laughs) your own time. But yeah, to to really say like, no, from the beginning, my time is valuable and I'm going to find ways to get it back so that I can put it towards things that like sales Mm -hmm. that will actually generate revenue rather than just doing the busy work like I did getting started. That as Josh says, I was playing business owner, but not actually being running. Yeah. Being a business owner. Yeah. And then the, the last thing that you really need in the beginning, and you know, there are free resources out there, but they don't compare to the ones that where you have to pay a little bit of money for. And that is having access to some, some form of resources that provide you with support for actually being able to serve the client. Right. So this is things like, you know, the uh, knowledge center in launch, where if you have questions, you can look things up or being a member of the AFCPE, where you can gain access to their continuing education and the other things along those lines, where you have a, a resource that you can, that you can tap for when, oh, a client asked me a question I'm just going to look into this a little bit more before I answer it to make sure I'm not missing anything. Or a client asks me a question, I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Where can I go that's going to provide me with that, with, with trusted information? And that trusted part is really important. I cannot tell you how many just factually wrong things are in, you know, on Google, in programs that I've seen out there, even in personal finance textbooks. One thing that I do is I review personal finance textbooks and we probably review eight to 10 every two or three years on a two or three year cycle. And I have never found a personal finance textbook where I haven't had to correct things. Yes. Some of them are philosophical things, but it's also, no, that is actually flat out wrong. That is not what the IRS code says. I can totally see how they got that answer, how they thought that that was the right thing, but that's not what the IRS code says or whatever it happens to be. 
And so it's really important that you have that, that level of trust. And that's why, you know, I named the two that I did. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, and in total, I mean, we listed a lot of things, but at the end of the day, we're not talking about tens of thousands of dollars here. There's an article like written by Sophia Barra a long time ago and Michael Kitsis's blog of like how to start mm-hmm. an RIA for as a financial planner for $10,000. And that was kind of like, whoa, you can actually start an RIA for $10,000, <laughs> you know, and for financial coaches, I was like, oh my God, we'd have to spend 10,000 and you don't, you know, a mm-hmm. uh, couple thousand dollars, probably even tops for financial yeah. coaches. I mean, depending on where you live, and what kind of business entity structure yeah. and how many hours you spend talking to lawyers or CPAs, but like from a pure software standpoint, from the resources and knowledge-based standpoint that you're talking about, it's not much of an upfront cost or even an ongoing monthly cost. Yeah. And I think a good, a good like kind of thing to have in your mind or a model to have in your mind is expect to spend between a thousand and three thousand dollars upfront mm-hmm. to get the business started. And you know, that does, you know, doesn't mean that it has to be the 3000 side, right. But somewhere in that range is probably about realistic. And then on an ongoing monthly basis, you can probably expect to spend between somewhere between a hundred and five or $600 a month. And that one absolutely is in the beginning, you're probably going to be closer to that hundred number. And over time you'll be adding more stuff to closer to the five or $600 number, right? So that's kind of the range that I would expect with regard to, and hopefully you're not doing the $600 a month from the beginning, unless you really want to go gangbusters on this. And it's not to say that it would be bad to do if you had the finances to do it. Right. Like if, you know, and but yeah, you're going to grow into that as you're getting more consistent part-time. For sure. And there are things not directly related to starting a business, like having a business coach, if that's something that you're interested mm-hmm. in at that stage of the game, maybe that's something that you feel would be more helpful later in your business. But you know, they're obviously there are outside things that could make that number go way up, depending on what you yeah. feel you want and need. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This was more of a, you know, minimum to be successful type thing. <laughs> yeah. There are an infinite number of things we could name that could, uh, that you could use or could raise that price up for sure. Well, we're getting close to a half hour. What do you want to kind of blaze through? Yeah, let's let's just talk about like conceptually that should look like for going full-time when you're going from part-time to full-time. Awesome. Most of your expenses as you move into that period are going to be marketing related. You're probably going to continue on with your sales support, with supporting you in your sales, and you'll probably spend even more on that, right? What are some examples of that? Just so people can. So sales support would be trainings around sales. It would be buying technology and systems that help you with sales. So uh, CRM would be an example of this. It would be looking at having automations for the follow-up on your initial discovery meeting. So you don't forget to send an email out to follow up, to ask for the business could be support for, you know, what should I say during the initial meeting or what should my first email be, right? Those types of things. So those would be examples of sales support. A lot of it, however, should be your marketing, right? At this point, you know, you, you're refining your sales process. You're not building it, 
Right. And so now it is really about, yeah, I want to get better in sales, but I need to get more people into that pipeline, into those initial meetings. And so marketing becomes a bigger driver, that, that advertising side of marketing becomes a bigger driver in this period. And it, things around reclaiming your time. Okay. So bookkeeping services, having uh, buying software that helps you automate, automate things more, making sure that you've got, you don't have to think of everything you have to do on a monthly basis, right? Those types of things become really, really important because as you grow toward that full time, you know, we think we have a lot of time when we don't have a lot of clients, especially when we make that first initial jump, that time gets constrained very, very quickly. And the number one thing that limits the growth of businesses is human time. And so you want to get those systems in place because if you wait until you run out of time to start putting systems in place to reclaim your time, you won't have the time to build the systems to reclaim your time so that you have the time to build the systems to reclaim your time. <laughs> five so. times. I think, I think we hit five, five times in that sentence. That was good. Yeah. And so, yeah, you really want to, those are things you want to spend on as you go, as you say, you know what, I've got a consistent part-time income. I want to go to full-time time becomes the big constraint and yeah, marketing is important. You need to spend on that, but really you need to spend on protecting your time. When I did that for my advising business, I, I spent like, I think it was something like. 30% of my money on marketing related stuff and 70% of it, of of the revenue of the business on operational and and time reclaiming stuff. And if you add those two numbers together, 112%. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's nothing left over afterward, right? 30% and 70% is hundred percent. And as I grew now, I'm not saying that everyone has to do this, right? Everyone's situation is different, but there is a huge value in spending more and more of it on it, uh, on those two things. Cause those are the things that are really going to drive your business forward. The marketing is going to bring in the clients and the time savings are going to make sure that you're continuing to allow yourself to serve, to focus on serving clients so that you can actually bring in those clients. Yeah. It, it allows you to focus on the revenue generating work. Right? Yeah the working with clients or the conversations with clients, the sales activities. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why I would never use anything as an example for my payment processing other than advice pay. Partially this has to do with it being regulatory compliant, but partially is honestly, the system is just easier. It's easier to take more things off my plate, right? Yeah. For investment management, I have a company that does all of the paperwork. And the reason why is because, yeah, I could do the paperwork myself and save a lot of money, but I would have to do the paperwork myself. (laughs) And when you add up how much you are able to charge for your time and how many clients you can work with, you know, during that time. Yeah. It it doesn't make any financial sense when I actually value myself by time, right? When I actually give myself an hourly rate. And again, that is a big thing and a big challenge for newer coaches is really valuing your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just know like you likely will struggle with it. Not everyone does, but I would say most um, value with str- with valuing their time. And, and I work with a lot than- of business owners. Yeah. Everyone struggles with it 
some people just outgrow the struggle. Got it. Right. I've never met a business owner that doesn't value their time, that, that values their time always, yeah. right? It, it's a struggle for everyone. Some people get better at it and outgrow it, but even I value could struggle sometimes, <laughs> right? Yeah. So. It's like, uh, it, it's one of those things that never, I would say it probably never goes away. The distance between or the time between it may become a lot longer and longer, but if you're growing and if you're right, trying new things or creating new products or services and learning more and then up-leveling it, like you then provide more value to clients and you're mm-hmm. going to charge more for your services and that can then bring it up anew. So yeah, I think framing it as something that doesn't ever go away, but just, it may take a lot longer in between those bouts of it coming up. Yeah. Cool. Well, Josh, thanks for another great episode. Let us know what you think. If you liked it, leave us a comment and let us know. And we'll be on next week for another episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. 